The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Eighteen days. Eighteen days. That's all that's left in this wacky, condensed COVID season. And some of you have still made it. I, I presume if you're listening to the podcast, you're probably still going. But I guess that might not be true because many of you do listen in the off season. I just think even I, I, I'm human too. I think if I lost, I probably would not listen to the fantasy podcast the next day. So anyway, we'll keep it going. Hopefully you guys are hanging in there this week. It's been a weird one. Yet another screwy night of basketball, and that's what we're going to be recapping here in just a moment. Welcome to the show. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. Same old guy, Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you want to try to follow me on Twitter, I would ask you kindly to do so. That'd be so nice of you. You can also Google search Dan from Hoopball. That's the easiest way to find me because trying to figure out all the letters I said in the last name Bespris. You don't want to have to go back and listen to that part of the pod again. Just Google Dan from Hoopball, follow me on Twitter, and we'll mess around on the social media. What we've been doing here during the playoffs, and we'll just keep it going today as we sort of motor our way through these things, is look at the results from the previous night and spend a pretty good amount of time breaking down what's relevant from a head-to-head, what's relevant from a roto standpoint, and what doesn't freaking matter. Because pretty much every day there's something along those lines. You guys know I'm a big fan of the long stream. This is not a particularly good day for it, but it's also not completely devoid of options. In fact, I believe there's one team that goes five games in seven days starting tonight. Doesn't happen to be a particularly good team to mine for fantasy stuff. It's the Milwaukee Bucks. You guys are wondering where this is going. But there are other things to take note of. Teams that play three times between now and and the end of the week. That's kind of where you're at. If you haven't used up all of your damn roster moves on replacing injured guys already, guilty of that over here. And we might be way up a creek too, because on that same team that has already dropped four guys, five actually, I think, if you include Gary Harris. Oh my Lord, how many guys have I lost on this team? In just this week alone, it's Wednesday? Where's the Wednesday card, I guess, by Wednesday night? Uh, This week alone, and that's not including Terrence Ross, Trey Young, Zach Levine, streamer replacement for Concorkmaz. I'm not even counting those guys because that was last week or even the week before for Levine. This week alone, one team in three days, and we'll see what happens with Okiki. Oh, and I guess I can't really say it because... Brandon Goodwin played. Anyway, let's just start working our way through. You guys don't care about my plight right now as I pray for fantasy existence. Just get through a night without losing another guy. Chuma was great before turning his ankle late in the fourth quarter. Missed about the last five or six minutes of this ballgame, so it was bad enough to knock him out. Although, a team that's tanking, there's not a huge reason to shove him back into the ballgame. But he's been great his last couple of games, and let's hope that he can play the rest of this week. Otherwise, I'm screwed. But also, it just kind of sucks. Dude was playing well. Gary Harris had a big ball game. He'll likely sit out half of their back-to-back, and I don't trust him even on a roto standpoint. This team, you're going Mo Bamba. 
who now, thanks to Wendell Carter Jr.'s foul trouble and minute restriction, Bamba has moved in front pretty clearly in the fantasy game pecking order, although they almost had the exact same fantasy game yesterday. Bamba hit a three-pointer, and uh, Wendell Carter Jr. missed a free throw. And that was like the only thing that separated the two guys. So, Bamba, you're starting. Okiki, you're starting if he's healthy. Cole Anthony, you're starting. Wendell Carter Jr. is no longer a must-start guy. I think I'd keep rolling him out there. If he wasn't in foul trouble, it probably would have been more like 25, 26 minutes. That's right on the cusp for him, although it does seem like he needs more like 30 and a tick or two of aggression to actually get to his mark. So it's not a must-go. With the fact that you're, if you picked up a Magic on Sunday, which was the beginning part of their 5-7, and seven, you're probably just going to ride him out at this point through Saturday. But then you could potentially pivot. On the Cleveland side, still no Colin Sexton, so Jetty Osman continued to get plenty of shots. Not Darius Garland level, who took 24 shots in this ballgame. Isaac Okoro got weirdly aggressive on offense, had 12 shots and six free throws. I did not see that coming, and I don't believe it'll happen again. Kevin Love went ice cold, but he made up for it with six assists, two threes, and three steals. Super weirdo backwards type game for K-Love. Jared Allen was good. Jetty Osmond's a decent streamer here. Certainly more so, at least for my money, on the Roto side. We've talked about that before. Because they do have a back-to-back Friday, Saturday. But i got to think Colin Sexton's back for one of those games. And when he comes back, you want to pull Osman out of your lineup. So I can't feel all that comfortable suggesting him as a head-to-head option if then you have to use another move to get rid of him. I'll say this. He probably will still play a little when Sexton comes back. But he needs shots. He needs to be involved. He had a usage rate of almost 23 in this game. That's really important. That won't happen when Sexton's back. Atlanta-Philly was not fun. The Hawks were missing everybody. No Bogdan Bogdanovich. You can add him to the list. Kevin Herter uh, out with the shoulder thing. I don't know if we actually got a final report on that, but apparently it's not that great. Lou Williams was back and played 31 minutes. And had someone told me at the beginning of this week that Lou Williams was going to sit out the first game with an illness and then maybe be the best player on the Hawks the rest of the week, I'd have called them nuts. But here we are. Brandon Goodwin played, if you can call it that. He started, played 32 minutes at 5-3-2 and two on 2 out of 11 shooting. But, I mean, this is like the ultimate slap in the face because he left the damn arena or left the damn court in a wheelchair after his injury on Monday. You figured no chance he's back within a game or two. And whammo, plays in the very next game. I wasted one of my four roster moves of the week getting rid of Brandon Goodwin and instead, now I'm sitting on an actually injured Gary Trent Jr. That could end up costing me the week. I know that's that's a little bit stupid, and maybe there's a lesson to take away from this, which is a guy has some like weird little ankle thing. You kind of just sit on him for maybe a day to find out if he's going to miss time. The problem was, if you didn't move on from Goodwin on Tuesday, after we saw him get hurt on Monday you were going to miss the opportunity to pick up someone with four games left on the week. So you move on from Goodwin, assuming he's out, pick up someone with four games left, you end up getting five games out of that roster slot. That's a decent stream. But if someone else on your team goes down, or if multiple other guys on your team go down, you really needed that roster move, and that's where I'm staring down the barrel, and I'm wondering if any of you guys are doing the same. Regardless, 
Uh, I would imagine the Hawks have someone else on the floor for their next game in Philadelphia two days from now when they probably won't lose by 44 again. Yeesh. There's actually some slight optimism that Trey Young might be back for that ball game. I bet he plays in the second half of the back-to-back. But it's also worth noting, by the way, the Hawks do start a 5-7 and seven on Friday. They go Friday, Saturday, or off on Sunday. And then they're Monday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week before three days off. So if you have a roster move to use still this week, using it on a Hawk after today is not a terrible spot to drop. The Memphis Grizzlies, also awesome schedule starting on, well, like a week ago. But uh, again, you could you could grab a Grizz on Friday. Grab a Grizz. Wizards were also on that list. I think we talked about that on yesterday's show. Let's keep going because I don't I don't want to deal with the Hawks right now. This was this was hideous, and you're not picking up guys based on this info. You're picking them up Friday potentially based on whatever information drops on Friday in the daytime. That's a team. To watch, set your clock to hoop ball fantasy and make sure you catch it as the news comes in. For the Sixers, they've got their starting lineup back. Embiid, Harris, Curry, Green, Simmons. Ben Simmons only played 15 and a half minutes in this ballgame. I think there was some foul stuff, but also just like a round blowout, so there was no need to go nuts. You can throw out the data. It's just good to know that they've got their five guys back. Knicks beat the Bulls 113-94. This game was not nearly the blowout that the final score would indicate. There are, I often use the good box score sheet over at Basketball Monster, and they've got it listed as a blowout. This game was actually within like seven points until about the eight-minute mark of the fourth quarter, and then it just exploded. Which is why when you look at the minutes, and you're like, oh, well, Vooch played 37 minutes in a blowout? No, he didn't. He played 37 minutes because he played until the game got out of hand. Meanwhile, how about our guy Nerlens Noel? Eight points, eight boards, three assists, four steals, five blocks. This is about as close as anyone's gotten to a five-by-five in, I think, a couple of seasons. Good Lord, I love Nerlens Noel. It took a Mitchell Robinson injury to get him there, to all the way to this point. Although he was kind of ramping up even before Mitchell's first injury. But I will not, not, I repeat, listen to Nerlens Noel slander ever. Dude has amazing fantasy game and he's right back in there in that 80 range again he's just gotten better as the year's gone on he just seems like he's kind of gotten more comfortable every week anyway nick's valuations don't change very much they have a terrible head-to-head schedule they're off until sunday after this one they do have four games next week so i guess there's something there if you picked up a knickerbocker on sunday that wouldn't be the worst idea in the world if someone were to say get tired of having a Knicks player with three days off and drop like a Derrick Rose or a Reggie Bullock. I would love to pick up one of those guys on on Sunday. Get him for Sunday and then the four games next week. And then everything else is pretty much the same here. Chicago side, uh, we figured Daniel Tice was going to be terrible, and he was, no surprise there. Kobe White, 12-9. Vooch, 26-18. Boy, they missed Zach Levine. And to think that he's out for another week, they said... And then he tweeted, protocols are dumb, I'm fine, basically. Like, he's, he feels healthy, uh, but I guess he still hasn't gotten negative tests, and so they just got to keep taking them. That sucks. But so it goes. You can be asymptomatic, and you can be contagious for a while. You know my thoughts on this thing, Zachary. This didn't have to be a thing. 
Uh, Garrett Temple actually had a pretty good ball game. He's been okay lately with no Levine out there. They've needed other people to just take a couple of shots, and he literally took a couple of shots. <laughs> he took six in 35 minutes, so a couple shots every 12 minutes was the pace there. Thad Young, his minutes back up now to 29, so hopefully we were able to hang on just long enough there. Seemed like he was disappearing, but they figured out a way to use him. And the Bulls are in a dogfight now. They, they keep losing. The Wizards keep winning. They're currently out of the playoffs by two games. Bulls are 4-6 and six their last 10. Wizards are 9-1. and one. Raptors 6-4. and four. They're actually tied with the Bulls. Also, I don't want to say the Pacers are safely in. They're a game and a half up on the Wiz. They got a pretty good cushion over the Bulls, but Indy's looked bad lately too. So there's a little bit of a fight there at the bottom for the uh, last Eastern Conference playoff spot. Not a whole lot of time left for these teams, though. Most teams in the NBA have about, have about 10 games left. About. Thereabouts. Where were we? Uh, Charlotte losers at Boston. Boston got off to a big lead. Hornets made it somewhat competitive, much to their credit. And it went about the way you'd expect. The only real surprise, Cody Martin didn't play as much in this one, likely because he was just getting roasted by Boston's wings. But he's the starter right now, and so he's the guy if you really wanted to jam an extra Hornet into your lineup. I don't know why you'd have to. Their greatest scheduling spot has ended. They were in a good one last week because they played on some cockeyed off days, but they you know they went back-to-back yesterday and today, and they're off for two days before a back-to-back over the weekend. To me, that's not even worth it. Like, he hasn't been that good. So stick with the main guys out there. That's an easy one. For Boston, uh, Jason Tatum back played 41 minutes in this ballgame. So it would seem the Celtics actually really wanted the ballgame, really wanted one in the win column. Time Lord was back, played 17 minutes. He'll be ramping up his workload from there. So get him going again. Jalen Brown is has thrown it into overdrive lately. Aaron Neesmith had a pretty good ball game. Three steals, three blocks, two three-pointers, but I don't think you can trust that to happen again. And I don't. And then Evan Fournier, who we said there's a guy you could probably start if someone like Tatum is out, but not super trustworthy if the usage guys are all standing in his way. And, and you could see he's just standing around and he's not healthy still. Or he's healthy, but he's not right. So whatever. You can probably move on from that. Boston... They just had their back-to-back, so their schedule gets kind of clunky. Yeah, if there's anyone in Boston that's not even that's not anything but great, you punt. Lakers whiz. Anthony Davis starting to look a bit more like himself, even right down to the fact that he can't make his free throws this year. But he did have 26-5-2 with five defensive stats. That's good. Kyle Kuzma had a weirdly well-rounded line in this in this particular basketball game. I still don't, again, that, that's another guy where I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. We know enough about Kuzma to know that it almost doesn't matter how many minutes he plays. His game doesn't really translate to fantasy. And you might catch him on a hot week where he's shooting 48, 49% or something like that, and that'll put him near the top 100. But generally, he sits on the wrong side of the cut line. And if LeBron isn't that far away, I don't know. I guess you can you could stream Kuzma if you really wanted to. Lakers do have a four-game week. Just let it ride at this point. You don't have to punt on it if it's a head-to-head type of thing. Taylor Norton Tucker had a pretty good ball game in 23 minutes off the bench. Seemed like KCP wasn't 
all the way healthy. I believe he retweaked an ankle in the ball game, but he played through it. Andre Drummond just twenty minutes. He just couldn't. He really couldn't keep up in this ball game. He had a nice fantasy line with the rebounds and so forth, but missed his free throws. And AD at center is just a better look for the Lakers. But I don't know why I talked about them so much. They're the same thing they've been for a while. AD is a go. Schroeder's a go. Drummond is a maybe. And that is that. For the Wizards, this was a ball game where they they kind of spread things around a little bit. Beal only 18 shots. Russ only 16 shots and another triple-double. 13 for Alex Len. 8 for Rui. 7 Chandler Hutchison. Six apiece for Davis Bertans, who threw up an offer. Six for Ish Smith and Robin Lopez. Alex Len was the big surprise. They had to go giant because of the Lakers' front court. I was a little surprised that Daniel Gafford didn't play more, but I guess on among these centers, he's not the big guy. Len is the big guy. Lopez is the mostly big guy, and Gafford is the pretty big guy. They got some big dudes to play center, but they're splitting the minutes three ways. I still think Gafford is the guy just because he can do it in the least amount of time. And when they're all splitting it, the guy who puts up numbers the fastest is the one you consider. That said, the Wizards, as we talked about, they're in the midst of playing basically every other day. On Friday would be the time you could maybe consider grabbing one of the other dudes in the front court. Even Rui Hachimura, who's wildly over-rostered in fantasy, but... Rui, uh, Gafford, even Len, Neto played only 24 minutes in this one, but he's been doing more. Those guys in a five-game week would probably be okay. I wouldn't be that excited about it, though. Spurs without Derek White, who Greg Popovich said he didn't expect him back the rest of the regular season. Youch. Devin Vassell slid in there, got the start for San Antonio, didn't do a whole lot with it. I thought Keldon Johnson maybe would get a tiny usage bump with no Derek White, but that didn't really happen either. And it was actually Lonnie Walker coming off the bench and taking 15 shots in 29 minutes. He was busy. (laughs) 18 points. His game comes down to three-pointers, so that's got to be a very much a stat-hunting situation. Then DeJounte Murray with a big triple-double. He's had a big week so far. But the Spurs lost. Jimmy Butler was good. Bam Adebayo was good. Dwayne Dedman was awesome in 16 minutes. We know he can get it done in about 22, but 16 is not going to be enough. Kendrick Nunn back out there. He had 18 and 38 minutes of basketball, and I guess you could stream him at this point. Goran Dragic played 28 minutes off the bench. He'll be hurt by the time you pick him up. But for the Heat, they're off for two days, so head-to-head-wise, you're not doing anything with this team right now. I'm really looking more on the Roto standpoint. Nunn is your... You know, he'll get you some points, really. Trevor Ariza, he'd been playing better. This one was a little bit, well, not as great for him. They went to more Iguodala. He had some lineups where guys were doing things, and Ariza wasn't really part of it. Generally, he's been better than this. Steals, rebounds, threes, kind of that package for Trevor. We're all about... Stat hunting at this point. Portland blew out Memphis. This was a double revenge game. These two teams played three times in the span of five days. That's pretty crazy. And everybody for the Blazers just lit it up for three quarters and never looked back. So the minutes are a little bit screwy. Portland guys played, uh, I think, a few more minutes than perhaps they normally would just to make sure that they stomped on Memphis and didn't give them any hope in the fourth quarter. That was good for those of us with Blazers on our fantasy team. 
So Dame, CJ, Norm, they all got into the 30s. Nurk was the one they went light on, and that's fine. We know what to, what to do with this team. And do I really have to tell you guys not to panic on Robert Covington again? Do we need to go down that path after a slow start and then three months of top 25? No, we don't need to go down that path. Grizzlies, I mean, this is the way their minutes look even when they're not in a blowout, but, you know, whatever. JV was okay. Dylan Brooks was meh. I mean, I think we, we really know what to do with this team at this point. Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be a go anytime he's playing. John Morant, certainly more so in points leagues, but I, I you almost have to use him in 8-cat. I don't know if you actually have to use him in 9-cat. Slow-mo's in a little bit of trouble. He had three steals in this game to kind of salvage the fantasy line, but with JJJ around, that's chopping into his activity. And then Brandon Clark is by no means a guy you need to start. I'm going to give you the green light on DeAnthony Melton again. He, like everybody else on the Grizzlies, was not very good in this ballgame, but if he's going to get 22 minutes most nights, he's a go. Grayson Allen briefly left but came back, so we won't worry too much about that. New Orleans-Denver, there was an injury in this ballgame, and there's a maybe injury. Michael Porter Jr. got undercut, and I think landed a bit awkwardly on his ankle, if I'm not mistaken. He still had a big ball game in 40 minutes. You wonder if that thing tightens up at all. Nuggets, uh, next ball game. Uh, tonight they host toronto on the back-to-back so we'll see if anything locks up for mpj you know for denver they want to keep showing that they can do it without jamal murray and they've been fine without him they haven't been world beaters but they've been pretty good there's there's a whole lot to worry about there if i'm denver what are they going to do like i know they don't want to play the lakers and right now that's their matchup but the lakers could easily fall behind the mavericks or the Lakers, maybe LeBron comes back and, and it doesn't happen. So if you're the Nuggets, I think you're, you're just trying to win games at this point. You want home court as long as you can get it. Probably only going to be the first round with the way things are going. Uh, but they also are not going to push it. You know, if Michael Porter Jr. is not good to go, then he'll rest and someone else will get to do more. Paul Millsap, they'll probably slide Aaron Gordon down to small forward, if I had to guess. Or maybe it's Jermichael Green if he's healthy enough to go in their next one. Regardless... We'll play it by ear a little bit. How about that big ball game for Facundo Campazzo, 19-6-10, and, and that 5-7 and seven stream, which is coming to an end tomorrow. Denver's schedule lightens up a little bit after tomorrow's game with Toronto. That's turning out to be a pretty good one, just from a stat-hunting side of things. The injury that I actually want to talk about is Steven Adams, who uh, I believe hurt his hand. Am I getting that right? I might have missed that one. Played 13 minutes, left mid-ball game again. And then Willie Hernan Gomez soaked up a bunch of center minutes, but he didn't really do much with them. Still, in most scenarios, I mean, that's the Nikola Jokic magic. In most ball games, and we'll go to the calendar to make sure we know what we're talking about here, the Pels are in Oklahoma City taking on the Thunder tonight. This is actually game two of a 5-7 and seven stretch for them. That also involves Minnesota and two games with the Golden State Warriors. So... It's not out of the question to pick up a Pelican for now these four in six days remaining on that five and seven. And I would normally say don't do it, but now this becomes a stream of opportunity where four games in six days might actually be worth it. But we've seen Steven Adams do this before. He leaves mid-ball game, and then all of a sudden he's just sort of back, which is why I have a lot of trouble recommending a Pelican Head-to-head stream. I will recommend a Hernan Gomez pickup in Roto 
And if we find out Steven Adams is out and Willie's starting against the Thunder of all teams, he's just going to go out there and rebound like a maniac. I mean, he might, he might legitimately have like a 14-16 and 16 type of game for one night. You could do that in Roto. Get your one-night guy in there. We should start calling it a one-game stand. Basketball streaming iteration of a one-night stand. Utah! Sacramento! That was a good ball game, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, my God. 154 to 105. Sacramento, everybody was terrible. DeLon Wright played 26 minutes but didn't do a whole lot with it. That was a really big disappointment because that's the kind of run that we were banking on. But no assists? Come on, DeLon. We picked you up for like four or five assists a ball game in this kind of role. He did get his two steals, so at least that's something. But Buddy Heald was the one king who didn't completely lay an egg in that ball game. For Utah, everybody got in on the fun. Even Matt Thomas had 17 points in nine minutes. Rudy Gobert blocked five shots in like two and a half quarters. Boyan Bogdanovich bounced back after a quiet one. I mean, if, if you had a Jazz, they probably put up pretty good numbers in two and a half quarters. And the Suns beat the Clippers. This is one that Phoenix, you knew they sort of had it circled because the Clips had beat them twice already this year. Clippers ran into a Suns team that wanted to grind out a half-court game. I'm, I'm still not entirely sure how Phoenix won this one. I think it was the rebounding edge. That seemed to be the big displacer because Clippers actually shot the ball relatively well in this super slow game. They just couldn't get, they couldn't keep Phoenix off the glass. So the Suns had 91 shots, the Clippers 80. Otherwise, the game was actually a pretty good battle. Chris Paul, like fine wine, ladies and gentlemen, like fine wine. He is really something else. He's now number 18 by averages in 9-cat this year, and he's played in 61 of his team's ball games. You know where that puts him by totals? Five. He just passed Kawhi Leonard to hop into the five spot. He's probably not catching Dame provided Lillard actually plays the rest of the way because Dame's per-game numbers are better. But Chris Paul is now inside the top five by totals in nine category leagues. That's incredible. I, I mean, as aggressive as we've been on Chris Paul for the last two seasons in a row, I didn't think there was any planet where he, gets into the, where he get into the top five. That's nuts. Top five is Jokic, Vooch, Curry, Lillard, and CP3. By totals in 9-cat. And playing in a lot of games, yeah, it does sort of artificially inflate your number. Like Kyrie Irving is number 9 in 46 games. If he played in more games, he'd be in the top 3. Jimmy Butler, same story. Those guys have a better per-game setup. Chris Paul's number 18. Kyrie is number 6 on a per-game basis. Jimmy Butler's number 7. But they missed a bunch of ball games. It matters. Chris Paul was a third-round pick who's mid-second round per game value and early first totals. How great is that? And it's late enough in the season now where I don't think anything I say can really muck that up. And at this point, everybody's getting hurt, so bleep it. We'll talk about it whatever I want. It has no bearing on anything. All I keep doing is praying none of my guys get hurt the next day, and then whammo, crunch, there goes another ankle. Torrey Craig won the power forward minutes for Phoenix in this ball game. He and... Cam Johnson kind of trading off in that nonsense. Feh. Don't care. Don't care. For the Clippers, Paul George is a guy. Marcus Morris is worth using. Evita Zubats while Kawhi Leonard remains out. Rajon Rondo had a pretty good one off the bench. 
But who cares? Because the Clippers are off for two days, then they got Denver on Saturday, and then they only have three games next week also. They're a mess when it comes to head-to-head. They should not be rostered in head-to-head leagues. Outside of uh, really PG3 and maybe Zubats in head-to-head leagues, I wouldn't really go beyond that. I know Marcus Morris has been pretty good, but he's over the line in Roto because you just pick him up and you could drop him if you wanted to maximize some of the games out there. But yeah, that's about as far as you go. Guys, please do pay a visit to our buddies over at mybookie.ag. We need a couple more signups this week to hit our uh, quota. If you got questions about it, hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. They work everywhere in the United States. We've gotten that question quite a bit. And Canada. And select other countries, although I don't know exactly which ones it is. That's mybookie.ag. If you do sign up, make sure to use promo code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign-up. Third page of sign-up is like the how-did-you-hear-about-us page. There's a promo code box. It says optional next to it. That's not for you guys. It's mandatory for you guys. Type in H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Thank you. Please and thank you. As my good buddy Sean McCall down in Lake Elsinore said, and always please remember to say please and thank you. Thank you. Do we care about Thursday? Not really. It's a short look ahead, and at this point, all of our look ahead is just monitoring the injury news. Dallas has about half their team questionable for Thursday, including Luka again. And you know they're trying to chase down the Lakers, so he's going to try to play if he can. They're a game and a half back of L.A. It's a very winnable game against a Pistons team that sits at 19 wins on the year, but a Pistons team that has played up to the competition a little bit. For Detroit, we already know that most of the veterans are sitting out the front end of this back-to-back. Why? I'm not really certain. Uh, excuse me, this, this isn't a back-to-back for them. What the hell? Ah, you jerks. You're just giving them a day off to take an L. Maybe they'll play against Charlotte. But that's why we don't have any of them in head-to-head. Because Detroit is a pain in the butt, and they had a bad schedule anyway. Uh, Brooklyn. DeAndre Jordan got a DNP in their last ball game. I bet he'll... Well, you know what? He might not play in this one either, because Indiana's not exactly boasting any centers on the other side. And if DeAndre sits again... Then Jeff Green gets a whole bunch of run and room, and so does Blake Griffin, who's been very good lately. Blake, uh, with a back-to-back in Portland, you can bet DeAndre Jordan will play that ball game. But that's tomorrow. You're the Indiana side. Yeah, I mean, you again, your injury stuff. That's what you're tracking over there. Milwaukee. It's a, uh, the Bucks are a pain. I want that. I want someone there to be worth picking up, but there really isn't because PJ Tucker's around, so he's rendered Bobby Portis relatively useless. And then you're looking at the starters, and those guys are probably all on a fantasy team. If any of them isn't, it would be Dante Divincenzo, and he would be a must-stream guy with a now five and seven run coming up for the Milwaukee Bucks. That's a lovely long streamer for Houston. We got a little bit of a taste of what they look like with no John Wall in their hard-fought loss against the Houston Rockets. Unclear exactly what's going on for this ballgame. Sounds like Daniel House and Avery Bradley are each questionable, and if they sit, that would mean you probably get a big bump to a guy like Armani Brooks, possibly DJ Wilson, possibly KJ Martin. And 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 that's therein lies the rub. So it's mostly going to be Kevin Porter Jr., Christian Wood, Jay Sean Tate, Kelly Olynyk. Those are the guys you're dealing with, and don't mess around with the other stuff because it could get messy. 
Warriors. Warriors were uh, quoted as saying that every game the rest of the way is a playoff game for them now, and that is because they're the 10 seed. However, they have a four-game cushion over the Pelicans, who suck. They're a half game back of the Spurs and the Grizzlies. So I, I suppose the impetus for the Warriors here is to try to close the season on, like, you know, 7-3 and three type of spurt the way they've done their last 10 games, and then maybe they jump the 9 and 8 teams and get into the upper half of the play-in bracket. That's got to be their target right now. But the Grizz and the Spurs, they're right there with them. The, the Western Conference playoffs seem basically set. I'd be pretty surprised if the Pels jumped over anyone, and then no one else is getting anywhere near it. The Blazers are currently the 7 seed, so they're trying to fight their way back out of that upper part of the bracket, but that doesn't really have a bearing on the Warriors very much. They just don't want to be the 9 or the 10. If you get into the 7 or 8 spots, at least you've got two shots to get into the real playoffs. And I think the Warriors believe they have a shot against most teams because you just don't know when Steph is going to go full supernova the way he did earlier this month. What does that mean? Well, it's all a whole fluff ball narrative. Warriors favored by five and a half on the road at Minnesota. The Wolves, folks, three wins in a row and they're six and four in their last 10. They're ruining their own tank because really... That's a team that needs good feelings more than they need the tank. I know that that's sort of a dumb take, but they got Anthony Edwards. They got a number one. They got Cat, former number one. They got D'Lo, former number two. They want to let their guys go, see what happens. They're having fun, too, for the first time in, like, well, years. So look for the Wolves to get out there and compete. This is not... Like, who cares if the Warriors are treating it like a playoff game? Are they really? It's an easy thing to say, but when you know you've got a four-game cushion underneath you, I I don't know. I'm not sure I buy it. Toronto is in Denver. The Raptors also clinging to playoff hopes. They're two games back of the streaking whiz. And they're just not that good, even with the roster fully healthy this year. I'd I, I, be more inclined to look at them on the road. Denver only favored by three? That's kind of weird. The Nuggets haven't been able to really knock teams around much lately, and that's probably part of it. Uh, For the Raptors, it sounds like Gary Trent Jr. has already been ruled out, so it's going to be the same guys we saw in the last one. For Denver, we're waiting on Michael Porter Jr.'s status, and then New Orleans we just talked about, possible Willie Hernan going his stream. And Oklahoma City, uh, well, this is a non-back-to-back, so I would assume that we get the same guys as in that last ballgame, which would mean that Dort would be in. But keep an eye on it. They did just finally snap their losing streak. Maybe the Thunder win a couple in a row. If Dort is in, they're not a bad bet. Wrong podcast, I know. But anyway, that's where we're at. All right, 35 minutes on the nose, folks. I'm keeping you guys rumbling here through the playoffs. Hit me up with questions on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. Hit me up if you want to be a part of uh, the wildness over here. You can also do that on Twitter. If you don't have Twitter, get it and follow Hoopball Fantasy. Follow team beat writers like you're missing out on getting the information fast if you're wondering why people in your league might be making moves before you it's because they're using twitter so get an account you don't even need to put a damn picture up there just follow me follow hoop ball and uh you can hit me up you can be like who else should i follow and i'll say look at the people i'm following and basically follow them i said the word follow a lot there and i don't regret it good luck tonight everybody may your team's Remain healthy. Have a happy Thursday. We'll talk to you Friday morning. Get you set up for the weekend. So long.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.